Have you ever played dress-up as an adult? And I don't mean Halloween or another holiday. I mean, I'm all for a good pajama day with my hair pulled back and no makeup on, roaming free and in the wild. That's how you find me most weekends. But lately, I've been playing a bit of dress-up when I head into the office, and it's all thanks to the show Suits. So nearly 10 years old, this show is having a major comeback thanks to Netflix, and I am totally here for all of it. Watch one episode of the Super Hot Lawyers looking snazzy, and you may want to play dress up too. The iconic suit series made an entrance a decade ago with a whopping 6 million viewers tuning into the USA Network, and it ran from 2011 to 2019. Uh, did I watch it then? No. Did I have cable? Also no, which is why I love streaming platforms. But what's old is new again. Fast forward to September 2023 and Suits has clinched the number one spot on Nielsen streaming for more weeks than we can count. And it doesn't really show signs of slowing until all of us that have watched it so far get to the end of the seasons. It's winning in spite of some crazy odds. Um, and if you know Harvey Specter, you know that that kind of fits his M.O. So. I'm going to name drop a few characters throughout the podcast, so it's probably worthwhile to explain a few. Um, Harvey Specter, for most of the show, is the number two at the firm under his mentor, Jessica Pearson, until she leaves. He's a super complicated guy who is really competitive, always figures out a way to win. That's kind of his M.O. Jessica found him in the mailroom, got him to the DA's office, then brought him on to help stage a coup of the firm so that they could ultimately take over. Now, Jessica, she's tough, smart, and is the one I look to for inspiration when I choose a dress or shoes for the day, although I don't do high heels. Donna is Harvey Specter's um, basically right-hand person with crazy powers of knowing what people are thinking and eventually becomes his love interest in the COO of the firm. All right, Lewis Litt. Oh, Lewis, you can't help but love Lewis, even with all of his flaws. Um, he's got unique hobbies like mudding, which I didn't know was a thing. He's often bullied or overlooked. He finds a way to get his name on the wall through a little bit of underhanded activities that he does. Um, but he's always there for people. He's this weird, unique character that you can't help but fall in love with. Mike is the one who kickstarts the whole thing uh, by being a non-lawyer, non-college grad that eventually gets a job doing lawyer work. And his photographic memory gets him really far until he gets sent to jail. Um, and who does he love? Rachel Zane. Super smart paralegal. Her father's a top lawyer. She eventually goes to law school and kind of finds her own path. So let's channel our inner Lewis Litt, who is never one to shy away from some drama. And let's investigate. What is making everyone suit up and binge suits and watch it after all these years? Hey, I'm Katie O, your host for the Curious Katie O podcast, and in this podcast, we really delve deep into all my curious thoughts, and trust me, they are super random. So if you're like me and you're curious about a thousand different things, I'd love to get to know you, so hit subscribe. Now, for the two or three people on the planet not watching Suits, um, or whoever you are, and for everyone else, if you've seen it, you know, I bet that you have started thinking about redecorating your office with basketballs that are signed or finding local mudding spots near you. No, haven't done that yet. Did you make your husband walk eight and a half miles the last time you were in Boston to get a picture of you by the Harvard Law School sign? No. Was that 
Was that just me? Um, totally true story, by the way. I did make him do that. Suits showed up on my Netflix queue kind of out of nowhere. Um, I have a lot of comedies, documentaries, murder-related content, which might be a future podcast. So I had to ask why. You know, Netflix recommendations feel more complicated um, and feel like it's taking some of your viewing habits, but sometimes I really think there's information behind the analytics. So Let's be real, that algorithm wouldn't randomly promote a series that's just been hanging out in the background for that long without some kind of purpose. And so here's where it gets interesting. Um, I thought I'd throw out a few theories as to why I think Suits is back and bigger than ever. So uh, one is the Meghan Markle effect, right? People want to see the Duchess in action. Two, you've got Binge Central, so it's got eight seasons. So for Netflix to put it on there, you can super binge on this. There's a lot of content that you can watch. Um, it's got a little bit of universal appeal. So you got drama, you got courtroom, you got good-looking people. Um, all the characters are pretty flawed, um, which make them really interesting. And you can kind of see their journey through all of this chaos. So anytime you've got characters that feel more real, it tends to be more interesting. Um, and then they've got quirks and little things about the show that you try to figure out or that you learn along the way. Um, you know, are we ever going to figure out, like, what the can opener thing is? Probably not. Um, and so when you think about all these little quirks that you find within the show, it kind of creates a fan base. So regardless of the reason it feels like Suits is really coming back, um, I'm one of those people that I will Google the actors. So Gabriel Mock, who plays Harvey Specter, um, and I'm like, hey, what has he been in? Is he in other stuff? Um, guy took a break after the show. Can't really blame him. It was a lot of seasons. Um, but that's what I normally do with movies or books when I find somebody I like. Um, like, what else is this person up to? And he doesn't have a series in the works, although I'd love to see that happen. But let's talk about one of the standout characters for me, um, which is Lewis Lynn. So we all know, or secretly, you might be a Lewis, um, but he does in public uh, what many of us just have going on in our head. He is an emotional roller coaster. He is passionate, irrational. He's lovably clueless about sports, which I always get a kick out of. Super loyal. He's vengeful. He feels like just this real chaotic mental kind of person. Um, and I think it's those kinds of quirks that make people connect into suits um, because we've all had some Lewis moments. We all know people that have those kind of moments. And so when you find those characters that feel less um, episode-y, less, um, you know, kind of Hollywood, but they feel like they're based on somebody real, I think it tends to connect with people more. So here's something I was curious about. Did you know that there's an official benchmark when something goes viral? Didn't know. I was curious about that. So anytime you get 5 million views, that's technically what we consider now viral. Um, and Suits has like billions of views when you count up all, all of the hours people are watching. Um, and so what fueled this, right? You've got TikTok, you got word of mouth, people are talking about it. Um, you know, people are have been home for a lot of times looking to, to do something different, maybe you want to dress up. Um, there's nothing more that screams confidence, like walking in with like a killer suit and knowing you own the place. So I'm like, okay, what's what's the vibe of that? And it's not just this high-flying New York lawyers that draw us in. It's really about office dynamics, friendships, secrets, roller coasters of emotions, people trying to figure all this stuff out. 
And some days it might just be an escapism for people. So let's dial it up a notch. It's time for some Katie conspiracy theories. So um, as I was thinking about this, I'm like, maybe there's a reason behind why Netflix push this or put this to the top of a lot of people's queue? Um, and is there a theory behind it? So first theory I had was the corporate Netflix push to bring sexy back to the office. Okay, so fasten your seatbelts. This is where I'm going to kind of go on a rabbit hole conspiracy theory. But um, picture this as companies around the world are trying to shift um, the idea of remote work coming out of the pandemic. And, and if you've seen headlines, you've seen these anxiety filled rants from corporate executives um, around people coming back to the office. Um, side note, um, I tend to be one of those people with a fancy title in an office, but I swear I'm just an average person. So I'm going to give you my perspective on both sides. Um, but as you look at these corporate executives, there are, you know, these million dollar offices. Okay, I don't have one of those, but there are these huge offices. They spend a lot of money on them. There's this embodiment of these big buildings that are standing empty or half empty. Um, and that eerie silence in the hallways is making some executives kind of missing an, an office vibe that they feel like they've lost. So what's one way to make the office seem more appealing or irresistible? Here's where we enter the Netflix theory. So Remember, you know, with with suits, you've got these lawyers, you've got this dialogue, you've got this office environment and people are finding love and friendship and romance. It's this place of dreams and camaraderie, a lot of drama, um, you know, and it's this idea of wouldn't you want your office to be like that? So Harvey Specter once said, I don't play the odds, I play the man. You know, could these corporate folks be working with Netflix, taking a, a page out of his playbook and playing to these aspirations and desires to try to make the office seem like a cool space? So let's sprinkle in a little bit of data. So according to a study from Harvard Business, um, over 80 percent of professionals say they don't want to go back to the office full time. Yet on the flip side, corporate real estate and vacancies, it's a billion dollar, multi-billion dollar expenditure for companies. So for some companies, the cost of maintaining and leasing these gigantic spaces can be up to 10% of their total expenses. Um, and if you think executives aren't looking at financials, um, sometimes every day, you are kidding yourself. So think about that number for a minute. So you've got thousands, millions, even billions. And you can imagine if these companies could indirectly sell the idea of returning to these spaces they've already paid for and signed leases, why would they not do that? If you're thinking, okay, like that, that might be a little bit of a stretch, Katie. You know, remember, the media has often been a tool that companies and powerful people use in shaping perceptions. And it's often been the right hand of corporations, whether overtly through advertising or not to change perceptions of the audience. So consider this quote from a CEO that I read in the Wall Street Journal in an interview in 2020. Um, he said, our office space isn't just a space, it's an experience. I'm not sure what that means, what kind of experience, didn't have a descriptor in front of it. Um, and then there's another one from a big tech executive that says the future of work is collaboration and connection and you can't replicate office synergy remotely. Now, I'm not saying these statements might not be valid for the company and the type of work they do, but isn't it convenient 
that just as articles started highlighting the increasing real estate costs for corporations and the challenges of getting employees back to the office, this new show, old show, happens to popularize on Netflix this concept of the cool, corporate, glamorous office environment. And here's where it gets a little bit juicier. So it's no secret that companies use media partnerships to push their agenda. We've all seen ads. We've all seen product placements, um, branded content in music videos, this kind of connection and tie with these classical techniques. So nobody did product placement before they did. Is it too far-fetched to think that there might have been some boardroom discussions over an old-fashioned at a bar talking about this beloved show to reignite the allure of the office and a push to bring it to the top of your queue. Now, don't get me wrong. I like suits. I mean, it's fun to watch. It was great on its own. But given this sway of corporate America and the changing dynamics of work, work culture, um, I don't think this conspiracy theory seems that outlandish. A, a deliberate push by key corporate executives who want people to come back to the office to make it seem like a really cool, fun space that everybody wants to be. So, of course, without hurt evidence, it's just a theory, right? Um, but if we look at, you know, Jessica Pearson, anyone can do my job, but no one can be me. So perhaps the corporate message um, that is trying to be sent is everyone can work remotely, but nothing can replicate the experience of the office. Okay, so whether you buy into this conspiracy or not, um, one thing's for sure, the, the lines between media, corporate interest, and audience perception um, have never been more blurred. And, you know, when you think of these theories and these inside scoops, if you've got an idea of a theory that you would have, I'd love to dig into it. Um, so I'm not that mean to just leave you with one theory as to what I think is going on. I've got a second one. Um, so if the corporate world game domination within Netflix isn't one for you, I've got a tiara-laced one that might be the other reason. So my second theory as to why it's coming back is Meghan Markle um, and the work that she's doing with Netflix. So British royal family, even across the ocean, we've always been interested, spellbound, um, connected to that part of the world. And when you look at iconic moments like Princess Diana's wedding um, or her funeral or the fairy tale weddings that happen, um, they're a global event. And um, I don't know any girl that hasn't thought about at one point becoming a princess, right? That was really the allure of the story of Meghan Markle. So when she started, she was an actress, philanthropist, um, and she was really part of this Hollywood community for her show um, Suits, and she worked on it for a long time, played a really smart, hardworking, endearing character on that show. Um, but here's where it gets spicy. So Harry and Meghan signed a multi-million dollar deal with Netflix. And could it be that the Duchess is orchestrating kind of a strategic return to acting um, using her most iconic role? I think that's a definite possibility. So it's no secret that the royals have used the media to their advantage. We've all seen the headlines around that, both good and bad, um, from either candid interviews or photo ops. There's all of the work in Harry's book, if you've read that, about the way that the media is used to air dirty laundry or tell all, or how they'll sell stories of one in order to eliminate a story about another. 
Um, if you haven't checked out the version of that, um, telling Queen Elizabeth's story, that's called The Crown, also on Netflix. Um, so that starts to build on that conspiracy theory a little bit. Um, but it was really, if you fast forward to today, um, with Meghan and Harry kind of getting out of the royal family, um, they're trying to figure out a unique space for them. They don't have protocols, rules, restrictions. So what does that mean? Um, and what better way to change or adjust or introduce some of the perceptions of Meghan's public image by reminding the world of the character she played, Rachel Zane? Um, it's the epitome of this kind of modern woman figuring out her path, um, finding love, having ambition. You know, it really sends a unique message of who she might be behind the scenes based on that character that she played. So considering the resources of Netflix, it's plausible to assume that reviving her character, um, even in a subtle way, is part of an overall PR strategy. Um, you know, the CEO of Netflix once said, we're not just in the entertainment business, we're in the perception business. So by having this royal content, by having these documentaries, by bringing back suits, what are they saying and what are they trying to have you perceive when it comes to the royal family? So let's not forget that Netflix isn't new to this game. They've often joined hand in hand with celebrities to produce content directly, indirectly. Um, and, and it helps to refurbish or change or tell a story behind that celebrity's image. Um, and they're using the streaming platform to do that across the board. And so the question is, is this just a different way to do it? Um, you know, if you think of this, Megan wasn't just an actress um, before she became royalty. She was a UN, UN ambassador, philanthropist. Um, you know, she's all about showcasing her acting, which allowed her to do other things that she was passionate about. So here's the million dollar question. Are Megan and Harry working with Netflix executives laying down this golden carpet for her to return to the screen? You know, is her character, Rachel Zane, a preview or a, a way to future audition for other roles that might really change and adjust and get her out of this royal perception and get her back into the role of acting. One thing that's hard to deny is this dance between celebrities, media, public perception, you know, this whole drama-filled, lace-filled, we're always looking for what's the new thing. So what's your take on this royal theory? You know, do you think that there might be a purposeful push of Netflix to have all of this royal-based content but also bring back Rachel Zane and you think about her as part of Megan's overall persona in the work in the workplace and then in the media um, or not. So at the end of the day, what's my take on suits? Um, it's a combination of a really good cast, a lot of binge worthy content, got a little bit of royalty in there. You've got some marketing wrapped up in there. And it's all of these really great looking folks in power suits and, and killer shoes. Um, I even used a reference when I was giving a talk on imposter syndrome um, to make it a little bit topical because um, Mike Ross is like literally the poster boy for being an imposter, but doing it anyway. Um, and it comes up all the time with different crowds. I always have people afterwards that connect with me. And for some reason, they're like, oh, I've seen it. Have you seen this episode? How far are you? It's having this weird little moment right now. So I'm curious to hear what about your theories. You know, why do you think Suits is suddenly the talk um, everywhere? 
So reach out to me at curiouskdo at gmail.com or, you know, ping me on Instagram um, at curious underscore Katie underscore O. Uh, before I sign off, I've got a little bit of Harvey Specter wisdom for you. He is my favorite character, by the way. Um, he says, never give up on something you can't go a day without thinking about, um, which I really like. So if you, you think about it every day, don't give up on it. What's your never give up on a thing? What's your passionate? What are you curious about? What are topics that are of interest to you? So that's it for today. Um, stay curious. Stay stylish. Always remember to rock a suit if you can and play a little bit of dress up. Um, subscribe if you are interested in future episodes. The next one will probably be a total divergent from what this one is. I'm curious about a lot of things, and I'd love to be able to share that with you. Look forward to seeing you next time. Curious KDO is a podcast by me, Katie Ostrico, um, produced and edited by me. And if you would love to connect, be sure to subscribe online.